and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And I am the man known as Len Foot. Welcome to the program. <laughs> you are listening to live. Wow. From the home studios in Woodbridge, Illinois, where a crowd is ready to rock tonight as we get close to the end of a successful year. We only got a few uh, more episodes left in 2022. And tonight we're doing a recap episode. Uh, it's the kind of content you've come to expect from Jag Bags. Superior sports analysis. NBA, NFL, MLB, where we rant and cry about our terrible favorite teams. <laughs> All for you the Jag Bags listeners. We'll also go into college hoops. Uh, I recommend, which is a section where Len and I review something that we think you, the Jag Bags listener, listening uh, in your car or uh, on your walk, on your dog walk, in the shower, wherever you choose to let Len and I into your uh, ears, uh, we will review that for you. And hopefully your life will improve as a result. Uh, and finally, I will go through Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time and provide my own reviews, whether these uh, albums are in fact correctly listed or whether they are in fact inferior. <laughs> and Len will go through his own list of his all-time favorite uh, 500 albums of all time. And he will see if I agree with his choices and how diplomatically I can disagree. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, we are happy to be here. We uh, The listening parade continues for Jag Bag. So we just want to say thank you again. The numbers keep increasing. Uh, requests for our uh, celebrity appearances are through the roof. Um, we've been at a record number of school fairs, uh, church outings, and you name it. Uh, Len and I are there. I will be juggling torches at Brookfield Zoo Lights this Saturday night, so be sure to stop over for that. There's a big sign that says, Jagbag Celeb Len Foot defies death. <laughs> Could be a flambe. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just one of uh, several appearances. You'll see us all over town. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, but it's all due to you and your downloads and your kind words about us. Uh, please give us a listen. Please tell a friend about us. Uh, I'll save all the business for the end of the this podcast uh, so that we can get right into it. But thanks again. That's enough talking from me. Should we just get right into the uh, recaps? Should we start with the NBA or is there another sport you want to? Yeah, let's start with, <laughs> even though our last recap was called, we don't want to talk about the Bulls anymore. Hey, at least they're interesting. Oh, boy. You know, they look great against Dallas. Yeah, but Dallas didn't have their best player. Well, I mean... Luca sat that out. He was obviously afraid of the Bulls, yeah. as we all do. 
of the sub 500 bulls. Hey, Lucas said, I'm sitting this one out. I Not even my taunting faxes could uh, say, nope, you're right, Beef. I'm not stepping foot on the court. Anyway, they did win big. And then they had a chance to um, continue that against Atlanta, which was a great game. I mean, final result aside, it was a great game. Uh, back and forth. Maybe I'm bad luck for Levine because I only watched a little bit. Yeah. The couple minutes I watched, he had three turn three turnovers. Yeah. And I, he had seven turnovers in that game. He gets intimidated when you watch him. He's like, oh, they, <laughs> they lose by one in over, overtime. Incredible. And here's another thing that I want to yell about. Maybe Billy Donovan is part of the problem because when you look at the Bulls, do you think any of their players are bad? Do you think the talent is not there? I, I, I'll be honest. I think the talent, I, I think it's a, I don't have a problem with Donovan yet because no, I don't think that talent, I think it's a weird roster. I don't see how DeRozan, and maybe that is on Donovan, but DeRozan and Levine have never clicked. They've never been like a one-two punch. Um, the way that like, say, you know, Derek Rose and Noah seemed to play off of each other well. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And uh, same with, you know, MJ and, and Scottie Pippen. You know, they both of those guys knew their roles. They complemented each other. And I don't think mm-hmm. that DeRozan and Levine mesh in any way, really. Um, it's kind of like they take turns. We're, we're going to watch DeRozan. Well, Vukovic, too. All three of them. They're and, not... and Donovan has not figured out what to do with, with Vucevic. No question about it. So maybe it is. Maybe you don't like Ben. Maybe I'm coming around to your ways. It's all Donovan's fault. Well, I, I can't think of a guy that I don't think is talented on their team. Yep. I'm not a big Drummond fan. Ugh. But it's not like it's not like Andre Drummond is the reason why we're not winning. Well, I just, I, but he's, I he's a backup. What, he's a backup center. I tell you what, he's just bad juju. Maybe get rid of Drummond and watch the team. Drummond, if if Drummond went on to succession, uh, that show would start tanking immediately. The scripts would be terrible. Uh, if Drummond, <laughs> you know, uh, joined uh, uh, Amazon, uh, then the, you know, profitability gone. Um, he's just he's a jinx. Um, and uh, when he joined the Bulls, I was like, oh, that's not good. And you're seeing it again. I don't know what it is. Like he's got a power. Uh, anyway, well, they're not winning the close games. Last year, DeRozan kept getting the wins for him. Yep, and those close ones when they had the really good start. But this year, they they can't pull out those close games. Well, honestly, I, I thought I I did feel that last year DeRozan played a bit over his head. He's still play, he's playing he's playing really well this year. He is, but I don't think last year he was exceptional. Yeah, he's well, it was unbelievable playing well plus making you know several game winners. Yeah. So, but I, I still think he's he's played well. I think his defense has even been better. 
but there's just there's just so many things wrong with this team. There's just something I do think that Billy Van has got to figure something out. So there's talk of uh and that's it's always talk. You always hear these trade rumors, but there's talk about how uh because you you the, the the talks are intensifying. You see it more and more like the Bulls aren't going anywhere with this roster, and maybe they need to start thinking about breaking it up a little bit. Uh, Forbes came out uh, with an article that said, you know, the Bulls need to be open to a DeMar DeRozan trade. And then SB Nation said, uh, if Chicago blows it up, could Lakers trade Russell Westbrook for DeMar DeRozan? Um, you know, no, please don't give us Westbrook. From the from the Bulls, you want to talk about a jinx? I know, but from the Bulls' standpoint, Westbrook's been on some of the most talented teams ever and has never won a championship. Yeah, the Lakers are like they're desperate to win, so but they don't have anyone to trade. But the the point I brought it up is: Do you get rid of DeRozan? Do you like because this roster is constructed is not to me is not going to go very far in the playoffs. So what's the point? Why why keep these guys together? I don't think but like I said, I don't think I don't think our players are bad though. Maybe it's just the system. There's something that's why I, I've been leaning now towards uh, Donovan because I'm like, okay, I I I think we have a good good amount of I mean a really a deep team even. Guy like Derek Jones is a pretty good player, and he doesn't even play sometimes. Yeah. So to me, that's the coaching thing. Oh boy, Donovan mm-hmm. just squirmed a little in his seat now. Just listen. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm never gonna like Levine. I realize that too. Right. I just don't think a max contract guy like Levine. He doesn't elevate his team. He doesn't play good defense. No. He's not even the he's what the second second scorer on the team. Right. And he's not scoring. He's scoring like I think he's averaging like 21 or something. So he's not even he's a good scorer, but he's not he's not even being an elite scorer this year. Right. And all that money's just gonna go down the drain. But you have enough good guys that our record should be better. Compared to uh, the season's still young, they can still like get hot. Don't forget the Celtics. Uh, when the All Star break came, they were below five hundred, and they wound up making the finals. So, yeah. you know, the Bulls. If the season ended today, what they make the play in at least, right? Or maybe they're a game out. I don't know. I think it's oh, it's right probably on. partly just because they were so good the first half last year, and right. since then. They've been underachieving so much. Maybe the league has figured something out would, out on them, which would also point to the coaching. Yeah. You know, like, you can defend the Bulls this way. The it, it could be. I mean, we definitely don't have enough knockdown three-point shooters, too. The Bulls are a game out of the play-in tournament. One game yeah, out. Yeah, and our, our best... Scorer doesn't shoot threes. That's also a problem. Our best post-up guy probably shoots too many threes. Also an issue. So 
it's just that's what I'm saying. These things I think are coaching things. I think it's a construction thing because it should be able to work. Um, or no, I, I I just don't see how it works. I don't see what the philosophy of the team is. You know, they 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 um the roster as constructed. Like Donovan can only do so much if you've got uh you know, like you said, you know, no post presence. No, Vukovic should be in the post more. But he doesn't like to play now. No, he does. They but the way they run their offense, they like having him set a high pick. That's and then sometimes they pass it to him when he's open and then he's shooting threes, but maybe he should be just staying in the post. Maybe he should. Although he is he's he is rebounding pretty well, but Vooch can be a 2010 guy. He can get you 20 points and 10 boards a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, he's he's averaging double digits and rebounds, I think. Yeah. But it's I, a lot of this is frustration. Maybe, maybe they'll turn around, but they're <laughs> just a hard watch. I'm glad I didn't see that whole Atlanta game. <laughs> I would have been tearing my hair out at the end of it. That was a tough one. He, uh, what's going on with what's going on with Cleveland? I saw they lost. Did they lose to some bad team? They lost to the Spurs last night in San Antonio. Yeah. That was a about in the first half. I did. I watched that game in the first half. The Spurs could not miss. Uh, mm-hmm. Just everything they put up went in. And they were up 20. And uh the and the Cavs got it down to one point and they had the ball for the win. And it was a very controversial non-goaltending call. I thought it was a goaltend. Uh refs didn't call refs swallowed the whistle. Spurs get the win. Hmm. Um it never should have come to that. Um I think Garland hurt his hand. And I think that Garland needs to realize, I mean, I get it. He wants to be out there and help the team, but if he even shot like, you know, kind of like below average, the the Cavs win by 10. Mm -hmm. Um, It just was very bad um, from, uh, from that point on. And, you know, Garland is not, um, I watched them. They beat uh, Oklahoma City, and they looked good there. And then Sacramento. Uh, also, uh, the Cavs also had a horrific loss uh, uh, against at home against Sacramento. They're up the whole game, and the lead was like between like about fourteen, eight, you know, ten to fourteen points. And with about three minutes left, uh, the Cavs are up eight. And then did not score again. The Kings scored the last 19 points of the game. Like the Cavs wow. just got how to play basketball. Really horrible. <laughs> really horrible, horrible loss. Uh, I had a similar experience yeah. last Thursday. We were up 13 to, I think 13 to 12. No, no, no. We're up 14 to 13. And we ended up. <laughs> Giving up 10 straight points and losing. Yeah. Like it's like 
remember that Bill Simmons uh, article? One of the few ones that I really liked was he, he ranked the levels of losing mm-hmm. and the kinds of loss. And one was the broken axle where, um, you know, the, it just everything goes to hell. You know, like the, <laughs> the wheels fall off and everything. And that, that loss to Sacramento was definitely a broken axle loss. Yeah. They were cruising. Um, you know, I think that, first of all, Garland, he, he needs to get, he needs to get on a better page with Mobley and Allen. Um, because last year he had that um, kind of pick and roll thing going where he would find Allen for alley-oops left and right. Mm-hmm. And um, this year they've really taken that away. And because uh, I, I don't, he just doesn't seem to do it as much. And when Garland makes passes, you know, after the pick and roll, you know, a lot of times he's hitting, he's not getting the ball to either Allen or Mobley in a position where they can do something with it. Like he'll throw it at their knees or it's like, they're not expecting the ball, which is more on them. Um, but they've got to get in a better rhythm. Um, and then Mobley, I like to watch Mobley. I really do. Cause I just think, oh, this guy can be really something special. <clears throat> Mobley, um, when he gets the ball on offense, he's got to, <clears throat> he's got to make better decisions, like quicker decisions. He kind of, you know, he gets the ball and he's like, okay, I am going to, I'm, I'm going to do this. And you can tell him like, he's making his mind up. Mm-hmm. and. He's like, he'll get the ball and he'll be at the foul line. Like, just you're wide open. Shoot it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, and then they're on him. Or if they collapse on him, kick it. I don't know. Kick it outside or start it over. But he kind of freezes up. He's, his decision making needs to be better. He's got some nice post moves. He really does. He's a, he, he can be, talk about a consistent, he can be a 2012, even, I think he can be a 2015 guy. And his defense is unbelievable. His defense is so great um, in ways that, like, you don't even see. He changes people's, like, the offense and the way, that he, take, he takes away things that they want to do. Uh, their defense, statistically, is one of the best in the NBA. And I think a lot of it has to do with him. A lot of it. So the defense is already pretty great. Great. And if his offense can come along, um, you know, that can be a real problem. And the last thing I'll say about the Cavs is that they need a, I was watching the Spurs and they need a guy like McDermott or a, a, a guy that, 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 that people were a Corver, uh, somebody that even like a Kobe white, Kobe white can get hot. Mm-hmm. Um, a bench guy shoot threes yeah they need a guy who can shoot threes keep the defense honest mm-hmm. they'll just collapse on everybody and garland and mitchell fly around and they're effective but they could really it could really open up for though all four of those guys if like their fifth guy was a guy who could oh great we can't leave him open uh because they don't have a consistent three ball threat mm-hmm. at all uh, love, I think, well, love broke his thumb. So 
Yeah. You're playing with that, and that can't be helping his shooting. These other guys played great. Okoro, his defense is awesome. Fantastic perimeter defender. He reminds me, I think he can be like a, a Tony Allen type, you know, mm-hmm. who's like a lockdown guy. And offensively, you know, he could give you, give you like 10 to 12 points. Maybe, you know, like a, a 10 and 7 guy. I'd take that. But Okoro, he can't even, his offense is just. You can't have him out there because he, you know, he can't shoot threes. And he, when he goes to, he just charges the rim, you know, uh, like, you know, wild and out of control and it, half the time it gets blocked. If I were him, I'd be trying to crash the offensive boards at every opportunity and trying to get like those put back. Something. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, the, Cavs- the diamond listeners are being treated to be going through basketball motions. So just another reason why you should be a diamond listener. I mean, you get the extra visual element. Where else are you getting this? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere else. Uh, yeah, it's uh, they're in third still, but Brooklyn is playing really well now. And they're yeah, I uh, noticed that they're really clicking. They're coming Durant, on Kyrie. Yeah. Simmons. Simmons, Joe Harris. I mean, they're they got a great team on paper they, i feel like they figured it out so that they got rid of uh i hate to say it but they got rid of nash yeah yeah that seemed to have uh i don't even know if it was nash it was probably just all that crazy Kyrie stuff yeah i mean <laughs> it's just hard to focus when all that insanity is going on i think that uh he probably now that's kind of gone away a little bit at least you wonder if somebody's if Adam Silver said, "Hey, uh, you want to quit uh, with this stuff?" Because because uh, that that got pretty bad for him. I well, thought he lost he, his what Nike. Sure did. Yeah. And those are that's so much money. So much money. Yeah. So I think yeah, at the end of the day, money talks, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, anything else on the? NBA? No. Do we talk about the NFL? <laughs> Do you want to talk about the Browns at all? Uh, I mean, just to say why. Do they have any mathematical chances? I think they're, no, I think they're done. I think they just want to try and get Watson better. How know? many losses did they have? Eight. Did, so so how, did they, play, how did he play yesterday? I, for, I, 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 just, I forgot about him. I saw that the Browns lost, but I didn't really. He was better. Um, he was better statistically. He made some incredible throws. I was like, whoa. I never really watched him in Houston. Um, but he can make a, a he made a couple throws. I was like, wow. This guy is, I can see why they, you know, didn't care about his baggage. Um he uh and he moved the team well, and then they got into the red zone and things kind of broke down. Um one guy, uh, Peoples Jones, dropped a touchdown pass. I mean, hit him in the worst place possible, like right in the numbers, like in his hand, yeah. and uh, dropped it. That was that would have brought them to within a touchdown. Um, he threw a bad pick. Um, didn't hurt them. Overall, his stats were pretty good. Uh, I mean, guys, well, at, least, 
At least the Browns will be joined by the Steelers and the don't make the playoffs. I'm happy about that. And the Packers. I thought they were going to pull it out. I thought the Steelers, because they'd they'd gotten some momentum going. Right. But then our old friend, Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) And all those picks were on in the uh, Ravens. I think, were they all in the red zone or was it? I know they're on the Ravens side of the field. Trubisky, I was like channeling his inner Jay Cutler. Yeah, that's horrible, horrible day. Yeah, I mean, not- he didn't even start. He came in because, uh, what's the guy's name? Pickett. Pickett. He got hurt. <laughs> just, I'm going to dry him. <laughs> Can you imagine watching that game as a Steelers fan? Uh, Get you close three times and throws interceptions three ouch. times. <laughs> it's brutal. Ouch. Yeah, it's very, very Jay Cutler like. I would be enjoying it more if the Browns are any better, but you know, uh, hopefully we can beat. Hopefully the Browns can beat them when they meet up. Uh, they 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 play the Ravens. They play the Steelers. I forget who else they play. A couple others. I mean, honestly, if the Steelers made the playoffs this year, I, I was going to call Tomlin a miracle worker. Yeah, right. He is a really good coach. This might be the first time he's not made the playoffs. I feel like they make the playoffs every year. They do. They do. I, he is a he is a great coach. Yeah. It was funny. They, they uh, apparently they said like when they hired him, they they said they knew with like within like five ten minutes they're like this is our guy. I mean we're mm-hmm. going to go through all the motions with everybody, but uh, <laughs> that that's how <clears throat> quickly they made the choice to go with this guy. And I was, I'm just like, why, why doesn't, why do the Steelers get all the good coaches? Why doesn't anyone else see that? <laughs> but that's I have a question for you. Because okay, so the Eagles actually look like the favorite now in the NFC. Yeah, I think they've had three blowouts in a row. Are you still unimpressed with them? No, no. I now I, I like I said, I think they've had three blowouts in a row. So now they look strong to me. Right. Because before that, I didn't feel like they were dominating teams. But once you start dominating teams, it's like, okay. And I don't think there's. I'd be surprised if they don't make the Super Bowl. But my question for you is who do you think is going to win the AFC? I think it's still the Chiefs. All roads to the Super Bowl go through Kansas City. Still. I don't I don't think so. I, I personally lost to the Bengals yesterday. I mean not yesterday, Sunday. They almost lost to the Broncos, and the Broncos are awful this year. Yeah. It was almost <laughs> a horrible loss. They're getting up points to a team that doesn't score any points. Mahomes throws three interceptions. He doesn't throw three interceptions in two months. So I- there's just something wrong with the Chiefs, so I'm not confident in them. Yeah, but who's better, Buffalo? Buffalo is – they've been more consistent. But Allen is hurt. It might be the Bengals again. The Bengals are the hottest team, I think. They're red hot. Could be them. I don't trust the Ravens either. No. And who else is good? Uh, That's why it's a, it's a hard question. Right. Because now, like I said, now you have the Eagles are the standout in the NFC. 
Right. And I give I'll give some credit to the Cowboys because they bailed out of what could have been a really bad upset. That's the type of team game you win when you're good. It's like this bad team is just playing out of their ass. And you think that you're going to lose, but you, I mean, they, they got a 98 yard drive to win it. Yeah. That, that, that takes a lot of, a lot of skill and a lot of confidence in your team. I don't care who you're playing. So I have a little, I have a little more respect for them now. And the 49ers, the 49ers are, they lost their quarterback, but they have so much talent on their team. It's, they've, won, they've won six. They don't need a great quarterback. They don't need great quarterback play, but they just need decent quarterback play because they got all those skill, other skill guys. Yeah. McCaffrey and Kittles and Samuel. What are those Samuel it's, got carted off? Is he? I didn't see the. Uh, they said it's just a sprain, though, so he'll be he'll be good. He'll be good. I don't know if he'll play next week, but he'll be he'll be ready for the playoffs. I think. Just shoot him up with those horse tranquilizers. He'll be fine. Stick that needle right. Yeah, there. just like I do before every podcast. You've yeah. seen that, yes. Where uh, they drag they drag him out of the tent, the oxygen tent. Stick him in the uh, lens handlers. Do that yep. under the watchful eye of Franklin Sampson, of mm-hmm. course. You can you can watch that on YouTube. Oh, it's really Len gets tranked. Just search that out. It's must see viewing. <laughs> he gets wild. He punches a few people. Uh, it's uh, it really is awesome. Uh, anything else on the NFL? No, I, I. Well, one last thing. So, why do you think the Chiefs still? Well, I think the Chiefs because a they are ten and three. So that's the best record in the AFC. Well, they're tied with Buffalo for the best record in the AFC. Um, They have Patrick Mahomes, who is still a very viable MVP candidate. And they have Travis Kelsey, who is still, you know, he's still one of the best, if not the best tight end in football. And their defense is pretty solid. Not yesterday. And, you know, that's a bad game. They they probably did not take um they probably well they definitely did not take the uh Broncos very seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, Russell Wilson finally woke up. Um but I think that they definitely caught the Chiefs napping. And you know, it's to their credit that they won the game, even though they probably should have lost it. You know, a lot of teams, they, you know, get surprised by a team playing out of their gourd and they, and they lose that game, but the, the great ones find a way. So that's why I think, that's why I think so. Ah. Don't shake your head and dismiss me. <laughs> I just think they're missing something. Well, I, I, you know, when I say that it just, it has to go through them, put it this way. I don't see the chiefs losing in, in the first round. I don't see the chiefs losing their first game. I think they'll make it to the AFC championship. And if they have the best record in the conference right now, you know, it's, it's really between them and Buffalo or if the Bengals continue to play like amazing football, 
then it could be in Cincinnati. But uh, well, the Chiefs get the Texans win, the Seahawks win, and the actually their schedule is pretty easy. Chiefs, I mean, uh, Texans, Seahawks. I mean, the Seahawks are decent. Broncos again, and the Raiders. Was that so game? They could uh, win all four of those. I mean, there's the not Raiders, a none of those Raiders, are tough Raiders, games. Yeah. Was that game yesterday in Denver? Yeah, I think so. That's a, I mean, Denver, that's a very tough place to play. But they're so not good this year. <laughs> oh, I know. Still, like just that atmosphere, it's very hard. Yeah. And if you get that crowd behind you, that that really increases the degree of difficulty. Russell, right. Russell Wilson has been faxing me furiously, saying <laughs> the trail of Len will not stand. Yeah. Um, right. Should we talk about uh, more frustration than that being the MLB and the uh, offseason that the Chicago Cubs are having? Yes. I don't want to talk about this for too long. Yeah. But they're supposed to be spending all this money. They've only spent money on Bellinger. Yes. Who's been bad for three years. Yes. And you have all these shortstops out there, and I know they're not going to sign any of them. Yes. They also got which, James. Which is super frustrating. I like, I like Nico. But they yeah. kept saying, no, we're going to. Those are the good guys, the shortstops. They need a bat. They need a big power bat. And um, and the, the, I've been reading. Don't forget, they also got James and Talon, who's that's a solid signing. That's not that's not what they're talking like. They're talking like we're going to spend all this money. Those, yes. None of those guys move the needle very much. I, I blame Ricketts for this because. You know, um, who was it? Uh, Turner signs a 10-year contract for 300 gajillion dollars. And then Bogarts also signs a 10-year, 10 years. And Hoyer came out and said, that's lunacy. I'm not going to give 10 years to Correa. I'm just not going to do it. And um, now I let's talk like four or five years at more money per year, and you know higher uh, AAV, um, but only for five years. And I just don't think Correa or uh, I don't think Correa or Swanson; those are the two last shortstops left. I don't think they're going to go for that. Yeah, Swanson supposedly signing with some other team. I forgot what team. Oh, really? So they're not going to get anybody. That's going to be our off season. But I believe so we're going to be. We showed some signs of being competitive in the second. We played pretty well in the second half last year. Yeah, but that was all being. Um. I mean, part of that was you're thinking, okay, we're we're getting better, and we're going to get a couple guys to really help us, right? 
And that hasn't happened. But I blame Ricketts because, you know, Ricketts is like, well, you've got money to spend, but don't F this up or you won't get money uh, going forward. So how can you, if you're Jed Hoyer, how can it it paralyzes you because you, you don't have a crystal ball and you want to be totally sure that you're making the right decision. You don't want another Jason Hayward or uh, Soriano. And those guys both had really long-term deals. So I don't blame Hoyer for being a little gun shy, but I think with Ricketts is like, I think Trey Turner was the best bet out of all those guys. And he, he was the only one first. That's why I wanted. Yeah. Hoyer was never going to give him 10 years. It just wasn't going to happen. Sometimes you got to overpay. Yeah. Just, just do it. Just do one guy like that. Yeah. If Turner gets hurt, then, you know, then there all go your, your plans. I, I mean, know, there, there the, the point, the point is this to make a statement, like we're a team that's trying to win. Right. There were all kinds of little deals that they could make. Like, Josh Bell, remember Bell for the Padres? Like a lot of people were talking about Bell to the Cubs. You guys got him. The Guardians got him. And uh they he had a pretty good year last year, right? Yeah, I mean, and and the Cubs. What team him. was he on? San Diego. That's right, San Diego. Yeah, you said that. And uh the Cubs need a first baseman. Um, he would have fit in very well there. Or, you know, and then Contreras, I mean. They're like, they don't want to spend any money. I honestly think Contreras did not want to come back no matter what. You don't think so? I just get, I just had the feeling about him that he he was done. Well, they badmouthed him enough. I mean, you saw all these articles that talking about how Jan Gomes. (laughs) Yeah, but you wrote those articles. (laughs) I was hired by Ricketts. Ricketts said (laughs) plant these articles everywhere. Yeah, but yeah, you saw all these articles about how Cubs pitchers do not like throwing to Wilson Contreras. <laughs> what? No, but I think he. I think we talked about this last week too. He did. I think he just had a foot out the door already. It's a little. You know, a lot of it, I think, is you played on these really good teams from 2016 to 2020, and everybody left. And he's probably like, you know, I just need a new start. And, and that's understandable. He I should not have signed with the Cardinals. That is what makes me feel like. <laughs> like if he'd gone to the Mariners, that wouldn't sting so much. He went right. to the Cardinals and they gave him five years. Yeah. I, I, and they jumped on that. And I read a couple articles saying that that was in the works all the time. So the whole, the Cardinals were like, their offseason was one main priority. Molina's retiring. We need a stud catcher who can hit. And they went and got Contreras. Yeah, I, I, I think Contreras is a good catcher, but I don't think he's like elite or anything. He's better than Jan Gomes. Oh, sure he is, but... Losing him doesn't hurt as much as some of the other guys we've lost in the past few years. It remains to be. Because he was never a great hitter. I mean, I remember his, there was one season he was great, and then he got hurt. He was just tearing the cover off. And then 
he never had a stretch like that ever again after that. Yeah. And he had a good arm, but he, he was never really good at framing pitches. And obviously we're going to miss him because we have Jan Gomes as our starter. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but it's not like he was a superstar or anything. Well, the offseason is not yet done. You know, there's still time. They could get Rodon. I haven't heard the Cubs mentioned for him, though. No. There's two teams. I think I read about that today. But it wasn't, yeah, no Cubs. Maybe people don't want to play for the Cubs. That's not true. I think there's still a destination. I think Ross is well thought of. Um, yeah, I like Ross. I, I'd want to play for Ross. I think maybe they, like, maybe they don't like Ricketts. I think the bigger concern is these minor leaguers because you know you the bullpen's always going to be good because the Cubs really do great with developing a bullpen. The starting five now isn't bad if they can all stay healthy. It's really not bad one bit. Um, you've got Stroman, the professor, Taylor, Steele, and then uh, Franklin Sampson's uh, ace nephew. And Keegan Thompson. And Keegan Thompson. I mean, that's a lot of, like, really good arms. So the pitching is going to keep him in a lot of games. Bellinger, yeah, the guy can't hit, but he's a stud center fielder. And Horner's gold glove defender short. The key is you got to keep Madrigal healthy. Maybe the defense holds up. Hap was excellent. Yeah, he was. What a, what a year he had. You, you just need a. But uh, it's just not enough hitting. There's some good hitters, but it's put it all together. It's not a strong offensive team. They need a power bat. They do. They They've do. got to. So they've got a lot of pitching. Maybe what they do is they make a trade and to get, uh, you know, somebody who can hit 25 to 30 home runs, preferably at first base. Yeah. That's, that would be the ideal as a sign of power hitting first base. Also, Patrick Wisdom is going to figure out how not to strike out. <laughs> and- it's not even the strikeouts, though. Not even just the strikeouts. He also doesn't get any hits. He only hits homers. He hit his average is really low. Right. At least he stays out of the double play. Got to look on the bright side. I li- I like wisdom, but he's I don't know what to say. He's he's almost better as a backup guy, like a right. pinch hitter, I think. Right. Because he just doesn't. He doesn't hit enough to warrant being a starter. Yeah. So, I think they just figured him out. I think he probably just hits mistakes. That's that's how he gets his homers. Sure. Sure. I mean, you strike out that much, they they have the book on you. You can make a living still doing that if you play for the Cubs. <laughs> anyway, anything more on the Cubbies? No, I just wanted to talk about that. Not, it's not over yet, Leo. They I know, I know. 
They can still come through. In Jed, we trust, right? <laughs> I talked. No, I don't know Jed well enough. I talked to Ricketts at Swift and Sons. And <laughs> That's true. And said, "Don't f this up, Tom." And he, but Swift and Sons did call me, and they were like, "Why does Beef keep posting pictures of restaurants that aren't Swift and Sons?" I warned you. Jealous. Yeah, they're. I'm mad at them because they gave my favorite seat away, um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's that's not cool. And and uh, they they gave it away to uh, Lauren Jiggets. I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm the host of Jag Bags. <laughs> Lauren Jiggets said, right. right last am I, am I for you? And they said, oh, you can go to the Swift and Sons down in the Fulton Market. I said, the Fulton Market? That's so <laughs> far away. <laughs> can't even get there by train. I've struck a nerve. I shouldn't have mentioned Swift and Sons. Really? Yeah. Well, their, their Fulton Market location is nice, at least. But that's too far away. And maybe I'll need a different place to go when I go to a Cubs game. This wow. Year. Yeah. Strong yeah. words. If I go to a Cubs game. Wow. Wow. We'll put it this way. I mean, I don't want to take up too much time because we got <laughs> more to talk about. But, I mean, that is – if they don't get a big-time name, that's going to hurt attendance. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. This was supposed to be the offseason where they're going to get the big signing. Right. So. We'll see. Yeah, got it. He, you know he's feeling the heat. Yep. Hoyer's feeling the heat big time. Uh, if if you don't believe me, just type in Jed Hoyer on Twitter and <laughs> enjoy. enjoy. There's two shortstops left, and I don't think they're going to sign either of them. And then who's left? There's no more big names, right? I mean, Correa, I, you know, I, I won't shed any tears if they don't get Correa because the Twins got him, and the Twins – uh, had a better team on paper than the Cubs, and they were considered divisional favorites going into uh, the season. Didn't happen, and uh, like at all. And so I'm like, "What's Correa going to do for the Cubs? He couldn't even. He was supposed to be the missing piece for the Twins, and and he had an okay year, but." And Swanson, I like because Swanson has gotten better every year. Yeah, and and he's a winner. You no, know, yeah, I got a Gold Glove, and his power numbers keep going up. He's got a and he's got a ring, but we're not going to get him. Never count out Mister Hoyer or <laughs> the GM Carter Hawkins. We're not even sure what Carter Hawkins does. <laughs> they just have him for his name. Like, I'm like the Cubs GM Carter Hawkins. I'm like, wait a minute, he's the GM. Never heard of this guy. What does he do? All right, enough of that. College hoops, the Illini, good win. Yeah, and then they followed up with a terrible loss. Look, did you see Underwood's uh, (laughs) press? I'm very salty today, Reeve. You really are. Well, it's. There's not a lot of good sports news. But here's the thing about the Illini. They 
beat Texas, was ranked second. And the Illini didn't even play well. It was real sloppy. But they made enough plays to win, which is like a, a tournament game. Yep. So that that was nice to see despite the turnovers and they were they weren't boxing guys out and and things like that, but they had enough resolve to make enough plays to win that game. Yep. But then they <laughs> Penn State just crushed them. Yeah. They made Penn State made a million threes on them. Yeah. But I get the voters don't didn't seem to be bothered by it because the line were ranked 17th and they only went down to 18. And that's the Big Ten for so you. So they were kind of just dismissing the Penn State loss. Right. But I don't like the Illini's coach. <laughs> Underwood? He is such a he's like a crabby guy. He's like one of those Bobby Knight types. And he's like, there's no leadership on this team. I'm like, yeah, isn't the coach supposed to be a leader? <laughs> he's, I can't stand him. It's just like, ooh, he he bothers me. It's never his fault. I'm like, you're coaching college kids. And when I was watching the game, I wasn't like, you know, I think the Illini are losing because of their lack of leadership. How about get out on these three-point shooters? Yeah. That's that's probably the main thing that needed to happen that game. And he did stuff like Underwood put in four guys at once and just kind of some ridiculous stuff. And blaming your your kids. They're kids. These are college kids. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Oh, if you want to you- yell at them in the locker room, fine. But be like, <laughs> Oh, did you Be see what he, did you see what he did uh when uh, uh at the press conference when they asked him about Shannon's uh leadership? No, what did he do? He, he uh he basically uh went to the microphone and made a fart noise. They said, What do you think of uh, Shannon's leadership? And he goes, That's what I thought of that today. He's, I, he's like, a, I can't stand him. I can't stand him. Ultimate maturity. Oh my gosh. He's ugh. I'll send you the link. That yeah. was that was amazing. Again, these are all guys who haven't played with each other that much. And they're ranked they're ranked 18th. Well, he's trying they've to got, they've got three and a half months till a tournament to gel more. Yep. They beat the number two team in the country. They beat UCLA, and I don't care what anybody says. You, I mean, maybe you play basketball with guys for just a little bit. It takes a while to get used to where, what, where they like the ball and all sorts of stuff, and communicating with them on the court. Right. I mean, like Meyer, who played at Baylor last year. I guess he got on campus late, so he wasn't even there for until close to the beginning of the season. Yeah. And he's a good player. So you got to get your chemistry going. And considering all those factors, I think they're they're doing pretty well. I I you know, I think I'm going to probably fax 
uh, U of I though, and see if they would need a new coach. Say I will not make fart noises in. I will not belittle them and <laughs> make fart. Noise. That's so weird. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's going to be like a viral moment. I'm just going to, every time uh, something happens I don't like, I'm going to find the gif of Underwood making <laughs> art. What a, what a great guy. <laughs> you know what that's called? That's called being the adult in the room. <laughs> Way to mold young men's minds, Brad. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, Northwestern. Other... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Northwestern, they only played... Prairie View A and M. They were losing at halftime. Yeah, one up. good stat about Northwestern: they have a top five defense in the country, right? They're playing great. If you can do that, you can you can get some upsets. <laughs> yep. They play uh, DePaul. That should be a good game. That's their next game. Yeah, DePaul's been kind of up and down, but they have they have some talent. So yeah, it could be it could be another good one. Like the Loyola game was. Yeah, that was a great game. Um, DePaul and then UIC. So NU's making their tour of Chicago. Yeah, Loyola had a decent game last week, too. They beat Clemson. And Clemson, I think, is 8-3. and three. They needed that. Yeah. I mean, Loyola is still only 5-5, five and five, which is pretty bad because usually non-conference. I know. Everybody has a good record. Yeah, but, I mean, a win like that can really boost your confidence because yeah. they probably were pretty low after that DePaul game. Yeah, that was a rough loss for them. Not a good, not a good game. Yep. Anything else, uh, college hoops? No, that's it. Should we uh, go to uh, I recommend? Yes. So I can talk about something that – well, why don't you start? And then I could calm down and talk about something I actually like. Oh, man. I mean, uh, <laughs> after an hour of vitriol, <laughs> are ready for calm, Len. Yeah. Um, but I'll go first. And then I got a question for you. Okay. Really quickly, I saw a movie that I really enjoyed. And I was surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. And the movie is a movie. And the movie is called Stephen King's Dr. Sleep. The movie is not called Dr. Sleep. The movie is called Stephen King's <laughs> Dr. Sleep. Um, but I, starring Ewan McGregor. And um, I enjoyed this movie. And if you're out there and you've seen The Shining, and I don't know what you know about. Oh, is this the sequel? It is the sequel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ewan McGregor plays the little boy from The Shining. Oh. He's now grown. He's now an adult. Danny. Now he goes by Dan. And uh, he battles, you know, he's, as you can see, life is probably, you know, he's, he's scarred by, like, trying to be killed. His own dad tried to kill him. And uh, then was chased by, like, ghosts and horrific uh my, you know, two girls holding hands uh, in a uh, hotel and, uh, you know, escaped in the dead of night. And uh, so, you know, he grew up predictably and he's battling with his own, you know, his own inner demons, as well as the ghosts from 
uh, the uh, the Overlook Hotel who are still after him. So that's another major curve, life curveball for him. But um, he uh, gets his life together and um, it um, he uh, then is uh, aware of a new threat by a bunch of like marauding uh, vampire types who look for people who with the, the Dan's special power the shining and look to kill them. And so uh, Dan must unite with a little, uh, the, with a little girl with an incredible power and uh, to defeat these, um, uh, these uh, vampires. And of course, for no good reason whatsoever, they have to have the climactic battle where else, but back at the overlook hotel, which is still standing untouched since uh, Jack Nicholson took an ax to Scatman Crothers. Uh, and, um, and they rode away in the, uh, in the, uh, the tractor. Um, so, uh, and that's where the final, and the, and the reason for going there is so, uh, you know, half cocked, uh, now why are we driving all the way to Colorado to, uh, face these vampires? Well, there are a lot of ghosts there and they're really scary, but maybe they'll get them too. And it'll, it'll give us more of an even playing field. I was like, Okay, I'm going with it. I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. But no, but really what I liked most about it, um, besides you and McGregor's performance, which was, he was very good, <clears throat> is the director, his name is Mike Flanagan. And just the way that he shot this movie was very much in the style of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining with like really cool touches. Um, there's a scene where uh, Ewan McGregor's character uh, is interviewing for a job and he's sitting in the exact office where the, uh, it's the exact office where Jack Nicholson interviewed for the job in The Shining. But it's two totally different characters. It's lit the same. It's, and I just thought that was great. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a serious homage to um, the uh, the movie, and it's just the style and the way it's shot and filmed. The music, um, it was it's a more than worthy sequel to The Shining. I was very entertained. It, it it's the clips along, lots of great little scares. At the end, it's kind of like, eh, that's cheese ball, but you know, I didn't mind. And uh, I where did you watch that? And what's it on? Uh, I watched it for free on Tubi. Tubi. So, because um, I didn't want to pay four bucks. Um, and the director's name is Mike Flanagan, and I heard about him because uh, he is going to make uh, a, and I think it's going to be a series on uh, remaking Stephen King's The Dark Tower. They picked him and they said, if you haven't seen yeah, that Doctor movie bombed, they tried to do that with McConaughey. Yeah. So yeah, huge bomb. So they're like, this guy understands Stephen King. And I was like, does he really? I'll <laughs> be the judge of that, Mr. Entertainment Weekly. Uh, but now I'm like, oh, I'm now I'm excited for this uh, Dark Tower uh, reboot. Yeah. So that's my I recommend. So let's hear yours. And then I've got a question for you real quick 
It's got Doctor Sleep's got pretty good Rotten Tomatoes. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I just think people were like, "No way you can be as good as The Shining," so they probably shied away from it. It's interesting because he doesn't because that's a that's a hard thing to film, and he just he just embraces it full on, full bore. Um. He goes in, Ewan McGregor goes into the old Shining and the Shining, uh, the, uh, into the old Overlook, and the hotel is dilapidated and run down, and he goes into the um, bedroom, where uh, the scene where the, um, he takes the axe and goes through the, the door, and he opens the door, and the door is untouched, and all you see is that um, part of the door missing where he, and I was like, great touch. That's a great touch. Very scary. Very, very scary. So little things like that throughout the movie. He didn't shy away from the challenge. He really took it head on. I respect it. Great. Well, I have three I recommends today. Oh, Johnny overachievement. (laughs) I almost had four. Four. Whoa. Yeah, but I, I I listened to the CD and I forgot the name of the group. <laughs> oh. I liked it, but I, I didn't want to say the name because I don't want to get it wrong. Okay. But I have two two albums I liked. One is When the Wind Forgets Your Name by Built the Spill. I love Built the Spill. Yeah, I, I think I liked one of their albums a couple years ago. And they're indie rock. And this one really grabbed me. I'm going to definitely listen to it some more. And um, it's a possibility to make my top 10 this year. Because I, I was like, this is really good. Yeah. Well, the one I listened to a couple years ago was Built to Spill plays the songs of Daniel Johnston, which I really enjoyed. And they're... Leader is this guy Doug March. Yep. M-A-R-T-C-S-C-H. Yep. And he he gets like a different band now for each album. Oh, I didn't know that. He like rotates. That's yeah, he started doing that. I think when he first had the group, he was doing it. And then he switched where he had the same people for a while. And now he's back to doing this different type of thing all the time. And I don't know if it's because he just wants control or he just needs certain people to suit what he's doing at that time. I don't know. It's it's unusual, Is but it? it seems like it's effective. Um, my favorite album by them is called uh, Keep It Like a Secret. And that's from like 1999. Did you ever listen to that? No, no. I, these last two might be the only time I've listened to them. Pick up, keep it like a secret. I, yeah. My favorite song is Carry the Zero. Carry the Zero, in my opinion, is a table busting jam. That is, if you don't flip a table. <laughs> What's it called again? Uh, the album is called Keep It Like a Secret. Keep It Like a Secret. Okay. 1999. And the, the best song on there by far, the, the whole album's great. But my favorite song is called Carry the Zero, and it is it is top top jams. All right, I'll give it a listen, Beef. Okay. 
my other album is it's basically a uh what do you call it re-release almost because it's sex pistols it's called original recordings oh so it has never mind the bullet stuff and also my way Sid vicious is my way yeah something else come on everybody and i love all those songs yeah and it really sounds good and i'm not an audiophile or anything but that's what i kept saying when i was listening to it i was like this sounds great like really clear interesting like they cleaned it up or something they did something to it where you're like this is like you were talking about uh one of the pink floyd albums i think about headphones yeah animals and not like the sex pistols are the first band you think of for headphones yeah, right. but i'm like it's got to sound even better at headphones right so whoever remastered these songs or whatever they did they did a great job hmm. i'll pick it up and my last one's a movie and i can't say too much about it because there's so many twists to it and it's called bodies 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 it's a horror movie of sorts i'll just say of sorts to intrigue you i am intrigued and the two people great title what what great title yeah the two people i know before watching the movie uh that are in it pete davidson from snl and maria bakalova from the second borat movie she was great in that Mm -hmm. but the oh leap actually three lee pace you know who lee pace is um he was on a tv show called halt and catch fire okay and he's been in some other stuff really good actor so uh but everybody in this is good it's a lot of young actors and it's like i said it's really hard to not <laughs> talk too much oh he was in it. guardians of the galaxy oh yeah lee pace yep mm-hmm. okay i know who he is but there's so many the writing's really good the actors are all charismatic even if the majority of them their characters are unlikable <laughs> right and it's it's not like laugh out loud funny but there's kind of a how do I, I don't even know if it's satire but more like i guess like social commentary to it and and like I said, it's like all of them. Like you're drawn to everybody in this movie. But I can't say too much more. Just trust me. You should watch it. It's getting good reviews. Bodies, yeah. bodies, bodies. Yeah. I'm looking at it here. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check yeah. it out. Good recommendations. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think what the fourth one was. I think it was Houndmouth or something. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a group called Houndmouth? Never. Yeah, that's it. Houndmouth. I'll add a fourth. I listened to their album, Little Neon Limelight, and really enjoyed it. I think I think I read something about them, and I said, 
little neon limelight. They, yeah. I got, again, it's another one. I'm like, I got to listen to it. I'm ready to listen to it again. Yeah. They're an alternative blues and rock band is what they're called. And I think it's type of stuff you would like these. I uh, found mouth. Four I recommends in one podcast. Amazing. And I tell you, I mean, I've been put to shame. I'm going to need to up my recommendation game for next week. I think it was just a world balancing out my sports week. Well, yeah. Like here's some, <laughs> here's some stuff you will actually enjoy. <laughs> to alleviate your incredible pain. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, let's move on uh, to Rolling Stones. I thought you had a question for me. Oh, yes. Well, uh, I thought about this. This isn't exactly a recommendation. I don't want to spoil your good mood. Uh, <laughs> but um, I saw something uh, on Twitter about uh, white, the show White Lotus. And, uh, and someone said, you know, I, I, am I, I must be the only person in America that just thinks I can't get into this show. I'm, I've tried. And I'm like, no, I'm right there with you. I've tried too. And uh, I just don't like it. Um, <laughs> and it's, it feels like you feel the same. Now, you gave it more of a shot than I did. I couldn't even make it past the first episode. Um, I was just like, what? Wow. None of these characters. <laughs> I'm, I'm not interested in any of these characters. In fact, I want to punch all these characters uh, in the face. So, uh, yeah, no thanks. I don't care what happens to you. Um, and then I thought, oh, I should give this more of a chance. But I couldn't even make it through the first episode. Now, you've made it into the fourth episode of season one. And I think I'm going to finish it just because... I don't think it's, I'm going to like it anymore. Yeah. But I just feel compelled to finish it. Right. And I think critics like this because, one, they're punching up. And sure. nobody's going to be like, oh, how dare you make fun of, <laughs> make fun of rich people. But yeah. it's not funny. Did you think it's anything funny? was funny? It's not I funny. Laugh. I didn't laugh once. No, there's Even no, there's no humor. when people write that, I'm like, there's no humor to this. I'm and like, a lot of weird, uh, a lot of weird sex stuff. And it's just like these things thrown out there to try to shock you or try to be edgy. But I'm, I'm with you. It, it didn't, it doesn't work for me. No. And I, we talked about this before a podcast. I basically watched four episodes over like eight months or <laughs> yeah, every once in a while. And I'm like, nope, still not good. And there's actors I like in it. Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, Jake Lacey. I, yeah. I like him and pretty much everything he's ever been in. Um, Steve Zahn. County, yeah. County Britain. They're, they're all good actors, but it's just, it's, so, it's, it's, Kind of like it's nonsense. <laughs> Doesn't it feel like wh what's the point of this? It's like how it's not funny. It's not sharp. I don't. I mean, there's people that must think it's sharp, but it's it's not. It's easy targets. The critics are just going mad for this show. Yeah, and and season two also, right? 
So I think almost out of curiosity, I'm going to finish it and then maybe try <laughs> the first episode of season two. But maybe after I've had a good sports week, I will watch this <laughs> episode of season two. But a lot of people say, well, and I, this is a good point. Well, succession is all about rich people acting like jagoffs. And that show is amazing too. And you like succession. Well, why don't you like White Lotus? And I was like, that's a great question because I love succession. I think it's hilarious. I think the writing is is better and the acting that they or the act you know the actors that they have come i fit those characters perfectly i feel like and also i like how they're like screwing each other there's like these stupid convoluted plots that are ridiculous these these schemes of these pathetic characters to try and win and they're completely half-baked and pathetic and of course they fail but they get in some good zingers along the way and they're like sticking it to you're watching someone get nailed which is always enjoyable and that's my theory well my i've had some issues with succession this year to say to me they had three episodes in a row where it was the same episode mm-hmm. it was all about who's who's gonna run the company but it was the same thing three in a row Right, right. But the last episode I watched, I like. I still haven't, I haven't finished the season, but the one with the presidential candidates thing, that was yeah. really good. That yeah. was really good. So I'm back in on it. But Succession has a sense of humor. I laugh a lot. Yeah. And there's people who say Succession is a comedy. I don't know if it's a comedy, but there's humor to it, dark humor to it. Especially the stuff that uh, Kieran Culkin's character says, and the whole relationship between Greg and what's the um, other guy's name? Uh, yeah, the young guy. No, no, that's that's cousin Greg. But who's who's the guy? Those two families. Their relationships hilarious. Hilarious, cousin Greg. I think it is a. We we've argued about this before. I think Succession is a comedy. Um, just because Wait, there is there's there's more way more humor to it than anything I've seen in the four episodes of White Lotus. Yeah, and whether you think it's a comedy or a drama, there is there is a depth to Succession that I don't think White Lotus has any depth at all. No, agreed. Yeah, so we agree on that beef. Thank Let's write God. that down. Thank God, this will be interesting. We got to write that down. Agreed. Well, uh, we'll we'll mark it in the National Archives and put it in the Library of Congress. Um, <laughs> in the JAG bags exhibit. That's sure to come. A topic that Beav and Len agree on. Yep. Uh, should we get to Rolling Stone? Yeah. I'll go. I, I'll Since I went a little overboard last week and did six albums, I'll only do four this week. Um, so the I'll start with Album number 243, uh, The Zombies, Odyssey, and Oracle. I think this album is amazing. Um, wait, uh, I can't read pause. Yes, I will. 
So the uh, I really enjoy uh, this album. I feel like it's it's like total like um, psychedelia, but also kind of um, you know uh, like just good old fashioned Britpop, and um, and it's really uh, it's also kind of like haunting and sad. Um, I like it as much as like Sgt. Pepper's or mm-hmm. uh, Pet Sounds. I think it's just as good as those two. And they broke up like right after, right like two weeks before it was released, they were done. And then they just churn out this masterpiece, which, and I think that most well-known hit from that album is Time of the Season, um, which I think was a hit for them. Yeah, uh, Time of the, the three zombie songs. I knew were time of the season, tell her no. And she's not there. She's not there. Those were the three songs you you heard growing up on the radio. Yeah. This whole album, uh, Odyssey and Oracle. It's great. And really great. And time of the season really kind of flows in. Um, It's like a song cycle. Almost. I, it's one of my very favorites. I think it should be higher. Um, Just, I would have never thought that the zombies would uh, produce a complete masterpiece like this, but yeah, I didn't. I mean, I think I, the first time I listened to it was going through this. Cause I thought they were just, they just had those three hits. Yeah. It is, it is a good album. I really like it. Uh, and I think it should be like in the top 200, uh, not top 300. Um, uh, 242 is The Velvet Underground. This album is called Loaded. Um, and this album is probably best known for Sweet Jane and uh, Rock and Roll. Um, and this album, uh, Ahmet Erdogan said, hey, when you do your next album, make it loaded with hits. <laughs> so they said, great, t- great idea for an album title (laughs) uh, they shorten it to loaded um but the album is not not what you'd expect from like a velvet underground album it's like almost like am radio friendly even sweet jane is kind of like got a um you know soaring chorus and despite the lyrics um but it's definitely meant to like you know get radio except for oh sweet nothing I mean, none of them do. I mean, the lyrics seven minutes, 23 seconds long. Um, I don't think that I think this album's like, it's fine. I love Sweet Jane and I love um, Who Loves the Sun, the first song off of there. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that song, too. Um, but overall, I'm like, this album's all right. Um, I like rock and roll a lot, too. I love that. Uh, I wouldn't I would say maybe like in the you know top 500 not 242 um that's uh that's it's just kind of light and airy and uh and i think this is their last uh i think this is their last uh album well lou reed quit um like before the record was even finished yeah so that's kind of like there went the velvet underground uh 241 massive attack 
The album is Blue Lines. It's known as one of the first trip hop albums of all time. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I think I've talked a, a lot about um, dub and kind of rap, you know, and, you know, the combination of all those, which led to trip hop. And I just think it's like kind of lifeless and boring. It sounds great on the headphones. I actually put it on the headphones just to see if that would improve my opinion of it. And our fearless engineer and incredible sound producer, uh, Declan Beyer, thinks I'm nuts for not liking this record. He thinks it's he thinks it's great. I'm like boring. <laughs> Uh, that's my that's my own opinion but i'm a boomer so who cares what i <laughs> you're not a boomer that's you're right gen x, gen x. Uh, and my final uh album 240 sam cook live at the harlem square club uh live sam cook and boy is it it's it's him singing all the hits that you know him for but it's in a live setting and he's just, he's on fire with all of them. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, really terrific, terrific live. You really just get uh, a sense of him as a performer. And that must've been awesome to see him in concert. Mm -hmm. So yep. well worth it. Um, you know, I have to go back because I really also like, Live at the Apollo, James Brown, which I think also came out the same year, if not uh, than the year before. And, um, you know, I think I still like James Brown's uh, uh, live record better, but this Sam Cooke is like right there with it. I'd go the Sam Cooke one. Oh, you would? Yeah, yeah. But I, I love Sam Cooke. Well, we're back to being on opposite sides <laughs> of the fence, where we belong, mm -hmm. looking at each other with great suspicion mm -hmm. and uh, and anger. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I do love this record. Um, so I, I think 240 is about right. Really great. So and I'm probably true fans already have it. But if you're a Sam Cooke fan, you don't you haven't heard. Uh, live at the Harlem Square Club, um, which is located in Miami. Uh, give it a listen. And those are my I, uh, those are my Rolling Stone top 500 reviews. So should we get to your list of favorite, uh, your 500 favorite albums? Anticipation is always high. Oh, man. What will be... Think how will he react? None other than Mr. Tom Hardy has put uh, his uh, guesses down on Twitter on what the five albums will be. <laughs> Tom Hardy, wow! Tom Hardy's a fan. Yeah, know that. Um, <laughs> I am sorry once again. I only have four of the five. Oh, on hand. Sorry, Diamond listeners and Tom Hardy. Sorry, Tom. Tom Hardy, who's watching? He's got a special satellite oh i didn't know that yeah he has a satellite so he watched it he's not technically present yes 
but he's he is still able satellite. to see everything. Yeah, he's hanging out with Act, Mar- actor money. He's he's hanging out with Meryl Streep, who says no high five for you. We're not having all five. <laughs> I was at Museum of Science and Industry on Sunday, and who was there? Beef Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep with, with waiting to high five you, hiding behind the Christmas trees of all the countries. I was taking a picture of the one of the Philippines and she's like asking for a high five. I'm like, I'm trying to take a picture, Meryl. She's got up high. Up Why high. are you in Chicago? Up high. I heard you were going to be at the Museum of Science and Industry, Land. I couldn't pass this up. No, high five me. High five me. I keep getting texts from the staff at Mashwaters too saying, Meryl Streep is here once a month. They... I have not run into her at Mashwaters yet, but... It's just, it's getting weird. It's only a matter of time. I think she feels a chemistry with your high fives. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry, I, we digressed. Sorry. 435. Oh. <laughs> God. Feeling this strangely is, fine. This is not on your list of It five. sure is. Oh. God. Came out in 1998. Oh, what a year. I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. Take me home. By the way, I heard that song a billion times uh, uh, for uh, Last Night in Karaoke Town. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) So it's... But that song was like a happy accident because it's about a baby being born. Yes. But the way the guy sings it, you would never think that. It sounds like he's yearning for someone to go home with him. It does not feel like he's witnessing the birth of a child. And it really paid off for them that it got misinterpreted. But I really like that song. I like singing in my sleep, which was released as a single. It's the second song in the album. Yeah. Secret Smile. D and D. California. I think it's a really good album. I saw them at the Taste. I think it was right before they released the album after this, and I think they had like one song. That went fairly well, and then that was it. Yeah, they and, broke up. And then Dan Wilson voted on Rolling Stones top five hundred. Uh, Dan, we've got some uh, we've we've got some uh, issues, Dan, <laughs> especially with um, uh, massive attack. But that's for another time. <laughs> so I read up a little bit on this album. They had sixty songs for this, and they cut it down to twelve. That's impressive. So they were really at their creative peak for this one. Yeah. And it was really successful. Closing time, I think, hit number 11 on the charts. The album went platinum. It was, I think, it hit like 43. So, and I think their, their album after the, this did okay. And that was that was about it for them. Yeah. But I I, I really like it. Now, they were also in the band uh, Trip Shakespeare. 
Uh, do, were you a, ever a Trip Shakespeare fan? I have never heard of Trip Shakespeare. Uh, I I forget why I'd heard. Of were them. they before or after them? So Trip Shakespeare was before Semisonic. Oh, okay. So Dan Wilson and the other guy were in Trip Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that until just now. Yeah. I was today years old. Mm-hmm. They were around in like the late 80s, early 90s. Maybe I heard about them like in college or something. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so that's number 435. Okay. 434 is kind of a sentimental pick. I don't have Dale Monmi. We had an (laughs) (laughs) 8-track growing up, and it's Endless Flight. Do you know who that's by? Uh, endless no, Leo Sayer. Yes, already <laughs> I am. About I am 1976. Look at this album cover. <laughs> oh my god, we have our uh episode cover. Uh, <laughs> not to uh, give anything away, but come on, no, that's fine. You could do it with you know, one album's fine. This is amazing. They still will have to, they still won't know the other four albums. Leo Sayer and all these. uh... (laughs) How much love? How much love? Do I rush right in or do I hesitate? How much love? How much love? So this had two number one hits. You Make Me Feel Like Dancing and When I Need You. Uh, How Much Love was a minor hit. That hit number 17 in the charts. It went platinum. You Make Me Feel Like Dancing won Best R&B Song Grammy. <laughs> it's not really R&B. <laughs> it's, almost, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a disco song. But I feel like that song, there's something about it that's, that's sticking around. That's... that's um, whatever for whatever reason has stayed in the culture since 1976 so i was watching deep water you know the movie deep water yeah yeah it's affleck yes anna de armas yes not a good movie but entertaining (laughs) and it's not even it's not like bad where you're making fun of it. It's just like there's what they're trying to do. They never hit the mark. Right. Because like Anna Darvis is a good actress and like Tracy Letts is in it, but, <laughs> but they never hit the tone correctly. And it's, it's based on a Patricia Highsmith novel. Yeah. Like talented Mr. Ripley. That's, that's Patricia Highsmith done correctly. But Deep Water was not. And maybe they should have said it in the past because they said it now. They said it in the present. And one of the <laughs> things they weirdly do is there's a scene where their daughter, this little girl, is singing You Make Me Feel Like Dancing in the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> and then they add more of it to the end credits, just having her singing You Make Me Feel Like Dancing. 
So I, I feel like the focus on that movie was not really good. They're like, oh, she's cute. Let's just have her sing. <laughs> Makes me feel like dancing for no reason. You know, I am reading as you're talking about uh, I was reading the personnel, the musicians who. Yeah, I was I was just going to bring that up, Eve. I mean, this is a who's who. Yeah, well, you have some of the people that wrote the songs or co-wrote with Leo Sayer, Albert Hammond, yep. Bill Bayer Sager, Andrew Gold, Andrew Ray Gold. Parker plays guitar on five songs. Ray Parker Jr. Earl Slick. The great Earl Slick. Jeff Porcaro from Toto. Yep. And Richard Perry, who produced Ringo. And uh, a lot of Harry Nielsen records. Yeah. Um, Bobby Keys, he played with the Rolling Stones. Yeah, so he he had he was operating at full force, Leo Sayer. Absolutely. Paul Buckley. He had a nice little stretch because he 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 was he had about half a decade where he had some hits. He had a couple in uh 1978. I think one of them almost hit number one. So he had he had a nice run. Sure did. It's a cover of Reflections, the Supreme song. Yeah. And it's not bad. I mean, that, that's not easy to pull off when you're a uh... <laughs> when you're when you're a tiny little Brit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he does a passable job on it. Listen, and but, it, but and it's included is... because I listen to it a lot, Broto. And this is we didn't have a ton of we didn't have a ton of albums and stuff, so I'd be like, all right, I'm gonna put on Leo Sayer again. <laughs> and this is possibly the greatest album cover in the history. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's it's on streaming stations. Get it? So it's, it didn't like disappear. Love it, Leo Sayer, the mighty Leo Sayer, at four thirty four. <laughs> four thirty three is. Moving pictures. Oh, please. This came out in 1981. The evening plane rises up from the runway over constellations of light. I look down into a million houses and wondering what you're doing tonight. You know what song that's from? Not sure. It's from Red Barchetta. So you hear those lyrics. Doesn't that sound like a romantic song? <laughs> Doesn't it? A little bit. But the, it's like about a car. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> and Rush doesn't really do love songs. So in that respect, I guess it makes sense. But right. I read the lyrics, I'm like, this doesn't sound like it's about a car. <laughs> well, but anyways, feel that way about their cars. This album, to me, is like, Wish You Were Here. Where it's this was their last, I think, kind of full out progressive kind of album. And again, I was reading about it yesterday. It's their last album with the really a song over 10 minutes, which is Camera Eye. And then they kind of streamlined things. Yeah. But it's got Tom Sawyer and Limelight, which are like Rush's classics. Right. And I think every song on here is good. Yeah. YYZ is an instrumental, got nominated. I think it got nominated for a Grammy. And what's another interesting thing about it is so Permanent Ways is out a year before this. Yeah. 
And the record company was like, no, keep touring because Permanent Ways was a smash. But but they, and this is rare because we, we always talk about the background of the albums we've talked about. Usually they go the other way and the record company pushes back and goes, no, continue touring. Like when we talked about Vertical Horizon, like, <laughs> they're like, no, stay, <laughs> stay on tour forever. Yeah. And people will forget that you actually make new music. <laughs> this was the opposite. They were like, no, we don't, we don't want to go on tour. We have all this. I guess they were full of ideas when they were on tour for permanent waves. And they're like, no, we need to get this album done. And it paid off because sold five million. And it's the in America, it's the best selling album for Rush. I believe, yeah, no doubt. So not a surprise. And the reviews for it were great. Yep. It was the 18th best-selling album of 1981. It was everywhere. Five times platinum. Yeah, it was that 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 album was everywhere. So you are you a Rush fan? I don't think we ever really talked about Rush. I'm more of a moving pictures fan. I I, I oh, you do I, like I, moving picture? That's your favorite one? Yeah, I would not call myself a Rush fan. I think. Um, do you I like think, any of their other albums or just this one? Just moving pictures. Really? Wow. Okay. So you're gonna you're gonna get in mad permanent right? ways. You're gonna get mad in this later countdown. I like permanent waves a lot. And John Kucha will be sending you angry faxes. Bring it on, Mr. Kucha. His, his license plate is Rush 226. <laughs> so I thought it was 2112. Nope. Um it's been like that for since the 80s, I think. <laughs> <laughs> He's Mr. Rush. Yes, he, he really is. Oh, that's good. All right. 432. I feel like each week now we're doing one of these. One of these uh, compilation. Definitive essentials. This one's Diana Ross. I guess it came out 2006, but it's. It's got all the. All the hits. Yeah, I mean, she. The rise and fall is endless. The risk you run of being lost in blue. You caught my drift while I was restless. When the current flows, I'm going to flow with you. <laughs> you know what that song is? Uh, uh, I never knew Diana Ross's lyrics, but uh, no, I, 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 that does not pop out at me. It's my favorite one of her solo songs. It's Swept Away. You know that song at all? Uh, I, I, can, I can hear the tune, yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. And so is this I called this the is, ultimate collection or what? Uh, it's definitive collection. Definitive collection. And so Supreme, she had like 12 number one hits. Solo, she had six. And ain't no mountain high enough. Do you remember? I don't know if it's. 80s or 90s where like every movie had that yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the sing-along scene right and all these trailers had that song in it i remember and upside down and i'm coming out were monster hits monsters i mean i listen i listened to i'm coming out the other day and i could finally listen to it for what it is because yeah. that was inescapable in the 80s. Yeah, it was everywhere. 
you know, and, and theme from Mahogany, which I think is a great song. Agreed. Uh, Touch Me in the Morning. I like Missing You a lot. Do you know that song? Yeah, that was after Marvin Gaye died. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one, too. Yeah, Her last good. two charted hits were Swept Away and Missing You. And I think those are my our two favorites. And I even yeah, mentioned, how about Endless Love? <laughs> it was number one for nine weeks. Oh, that was everywhere. I got so sick of that song. <laughs> I could not escape it. I, I like it, though. My mom, like, would blast that song. <laughs> blast it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that was, yeah, it was 81. I thought it was later than that, but. So that was 41 years ago. Wow. What about uh, Upside Down? Yeah, Upside Down. I said that. Upside Down yeah, and I'm Coming Out. Those were like her big, huge. Disco hits. Yeah. Yeah. Upside Down was a huge hit. What about Love Hangover? I love that song. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And, you know, she had her movie hits because It's My Turn was in the movie of the same name. Yeah. Same thing with Endless Love. And there's there's a song I didn't even know about on here. Uh, My Mistake, which is a duet with Marvin Gaye. Yeah, I don't know that one. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't really know of it either until I got this. So it's a little okay. bonus. Any good. Here. But like I said, all the Diana Ross needs right there. Solo wise. Well, she really, um, I mean, she really, uh, um, I like that she had three different albums with the last name of Ross. <laughs> so from the album Ross, well, is this the 1983 Ross? Or <laughs> Ross? There's also an album she had called The Boss, which I enjoy. Yeah. Boss. Anyway, uh, just a little side note. Yeah, she's, she's excellent. And uh, total, kind of, total diva, though. Total diva. Yeah. But great voice and like Leo Sayer. She has the full <laughs> production values behind her. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Does she have last. an album cover that rivals Endless Flight? I don't think so. <laughs> Nobody does. I mean, he is like in Endless Flight, mm-hmm. He's just constantly floating. And it will never end this flight. All right. Last one to finish up, number 431. Can you see it? Oh, it's I was Mad wondering. Love. I was one. Mad Love by Linda Ronstadt. Okay. I see it now. This came out in 1980. You put your head on my pillow and you're fast asleep. And how do I make you? How do I make you? How do I make you? Dream about me. <laughs> so this was her. She was trying to be punk and new wave. And I think How Do I Make You is the only real rock song on here. Yeah. I mean, none of it's really punk. You could say there's new wave on it because three of the songs are Elvis Costello. And I like the album. Yeah. But it's not like she was... <laughs> I mean, she's got she's got her short hair and everything, right? It's still got a lot of typical Linda Ronstadt, just belting it out. And I, I love her, so it didn't matter to me. 
like hurt so bad, which was a giant hit. And I can't let go, which is just kind of a straight up pop song. Right. And How do I make you? I think it's a great song. That's that's the only one. It's almost like a departure for because that's kind of kind of a jam, I guess. I gotta hear these uh, versions of these Elvis tunes. Oh, you don't know? You're not familiar with this? No. Yeah. Uh, also, Andrew Gold is everywhere on this album. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I put Andrew Gold in my top 500, but he has an album called All This in Heaven Too that should have made it because I yeah. listened to it a lot. And that had Thank You for Being a Friend on it. Yes, yes. Which became, of course, the Golden Girls theme song. Yes. But I think the <laughs> the class after mine in grammar school, they sang that at their grammar school graduation. <laughs> And that was before Golden Girls. Yep. And and that, it's a pretty good album. We had a, we had that one on vinyl. Mad Love, I think I had I had on. I might have had this on vinyl and cassette. Yeah, I like I like it a lot. He also had uh, Lonely Boy, which is a jam. Yeah, Lonely Boy. Lonely Boy is not on the album I had, but yeah, that's great. I had that in a forty-five. Yeah, it's a great song. Agreed. But back to Mad Love. Yeah, I think Party Girl, she makes pretty dark. Mm-hmm. Girls Talk's pretty up-tempo. And I think t- Talking in the Dark's the other one. Yep. And uh, she's just really good at, she's like like her and, and somebody like Joe Cocker, who don't really write their own songs. But they know how to make make it their own. And she's got such a great voice. You, you, you don't, I mean, she turns it into something else, whatever, whatever she does. Kind of a, uh, a risk for her because, you know, she already had like this very successful career as a yeah. soft rock to try and get into like punk and new wave. That could have backfired. Yeah, but like I said, it's not really that much of a departure once you actually listen to it. And it set a record because her album debuted at number five. Yep. It was a record for a female artist at the time. <clears throat> she does a Neil Young cover I like, Look Out for My Love. Yeah. The album went up to number three. She got nominated for Best Rock Vocal for How Do I Make You, which I think is the best song in the album. Yeah. And she, this album did so well for her. They they let her do like this orchestra album called What's New. I remember that. And then I think she did a Spanish language album. Yes. And they both did well. Like people didn't care. They're like, give us all the Linda Ronstadt. Want all the Linda Ronstadt. So like what you were saying, it was it was a huge gamble, and it paid off because it gave her even more artistic freedom. Which is, uh, and she like, you know, just, uh, I think she's one of those like interpreters where she like, okay, I feel like doing a new wave album. Now I feel like doing a <clears throat> standards album. Yeah, she's she's got a lot of different interests. Yeah. And I think that goes with not writing your own songs because you want a, a different challenge, but you you don't have like the songwriting skill. Right. You're like, I'm going to 
go over here and and see what I can interpret. Yeah, I, I give her a lot of credit for taking on Elvis. Yeah. I feel like there was one more thing I was going to say about this, but I can't. I mean, I listened to, oh, yeah, uh, a song like I Can't Let Go. I thought that was a bigger hit because it was always on the radio. Mm -hmm. I mean, it made top 40, but it wasn't top 10. How Do I Make You was, and so was, I think, oh, Hurt So Bad. Those were the two top 10 hits from uh, the album. <clears throat> Good ones, Lynn. You have it, Beef. I know you're going to go home and listen to Endless Flight right now. I am going to <laughs> blast the sayer <laughs> and flip tables. We're going to have some more eight tracks coming up, too, in the countdown. Woo! Elms that you'll be surprised by because... I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by the Leo sayer. Really. <laughs> Because, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to be honest. What have I listened to the most? Even that Leo Sayer, I don't remember last time I listened to it. I listened to it a couple times. You'd walk around saying Leo Sayer's Endless Flight, you know, is uh, the greatest ever. <laughs> like, would you be walking around like it's Simon saying? <laughs> you can have your favorite. Enjoy the guitar power of Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Soaring through how much love? Do they have Jeff Percaro or Paul? I don't Buck think so. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Well, this was a good one. Um, we want to thank everyone for listening to our recap episode. Please follow us. We're on all uh, social media platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Please hit that subscribe button. Please like us too. Just like us. Just hit that like button <laughs> and write us a review if you're so inclined. Tell everyone how we have changed your life and put that in and make it hashtag Jagbags. Um, <clears throat> we want to hear from you if there's a topic uh, that you want us to discuss here and lend our expertise to. Drop us a note. If we pick your topic, you will get a Jagbags t shirt. Who doesn't want that? We're in our fifth uh, printing of these shirts. Actually, that's not true. We're only in our second, but we could easily order a third. So get your order in. Um, only 20 bucks. Do so today. And uh, finally, thanks very much for listening. Tell a friend about us. Your kind words are our best form of advertising. And when you're ready to listen, put a little jag bags in your ears.